0: Brothers and sisters, the scripture reading this afternoon is from Hebrews chapter 12. We read that in connection with the second commandment, and I proclaim to you the word of God, as it is summarized in the Heidelberg Catechism Lord say 35, about the second commandment. We will first hear what the word of God teaches about that in Hebrews 12. So we read Hebrews 12. After, in Hebrews 11, first, there we can read about the witnesses of faith, all those who show in a life what faith works out in a life, and then about that we read in chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. To them, But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed." Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fall, fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sought his birthright for a single meal. You know that afterward when he desired to inherit the blessing he was rejected for he found no chance to repent. Now he saw it with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched. A blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given if even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. You have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the spring sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for God, our God is a consuming fire. Brothers and sisters, let us now read how the church summarized the meaning of the second commandment in Lord's Day 35 of the Hanover Catechism. say 35, they read, what does God require in a second commandment? We are not to make an image of God in any way, nor to worship him in any other manner than he has commanded in his word. May we then not make any image at all. God cannot and may not be visibly portrayed in any way. Creatures may be portrayed, but God forbids us to make or have any images of them in order to worship them or to serve God through them. But may images not be tolerated in the churches as books for the laity? No, for we should not be wiser than God. He wants his people to be taught not by means of dumb images, but by the living preaching of his word. Brothers and sisters, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be holy? And are you holy? We read in the Bible about the holy God. And Isaiah saw the holy God in, in Isaiah chapter 6. A very impressive chapter where Isaiah cries out that he, is, as an unholy person living among a people with an unholy of lips, that he was going to die. And then God sent an angel, and the angel took a coal from the altar, and with it touched the lips of Isaiah, and with that Isaiah was cleansed, was was made holy. But it is impressive what he saw there. And we read in Hebrews 12 about Israel standing at Mount Sinai, the mountain in smoke and and the sound of a trumpet and all the signs of God descending on the mountain and the people were trembling, knowing that any of them who would touch the mountain had to be killed, had to be stoned. Nobody could approach God's holiness. However, In Hebrews 12, he also reads that we have not come to Mount Sinai, but we have come to Mount Zion. And we can come to God if we don't reject Him, but we can come to God because God Himself makes us holy. And that is a special thing of the covenant, that God makes it possible within the covenant that we live with Him. He forgives us our sins. He gives us new life. He sanctifies us by the Holy Spirit so that we are holy before Him. And that is a wonderful thing which we have in the new covenant that we can go to God without having a temple or a tabernacle, without having earthly things through which we are being held back from God's holiness. However... There again, we see that human beings are always still scared of God's holiness. And even though God opens the way to his throne for us, still human beings want to put something in between God and us. The heathen people in the Old Testament, they made their images because they were afraid for the power of their God, and they thought that by their images they could control that power. but we see the same in the church history, the Roman Catholic Church. They believed that Jesus Christ, our mediator, that Jesus Christ himself even was too holy for us to approach, so we should put saints in between us and Jesus Christ, his mother Mary and other saints. And there we see the Roman Catholic Church in fact doing the same as the hidden people surrounding Israel. But that is not what God teaches us. God calls us to be holy because He, our God, is holy. But how do we become holy? We become holy through Jesus Christ and through His Spirit. The Spirit sanctifies us. He makes us new. And that is how we can approach God. God Himself gives us the holiness. Because without holiness, no one can see the Lord. But God wants to live with us within the covenant. And therefore, God has called us to be holy, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And that's the word of God as it comes to us in the second commandment, which I proclaimed to you this afternoon, summarized under this theme. God calls his people to be holy because he, our God, is holy. Our holiness is necessary because in the first place, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And second, God has called us to be to him a royal priesthood and a holy nation. So God calls his people to be holy because he, our God, is holy. And our holiness is necessary in the first place because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. God is the almighty God, the highly exalted God who wants to be our father. He is also our creator. He made us and without him we cannot live. We are his creatures and and he gave us an important place with creation. He made us little less than God, as Psalm 8 says, and he gave us, he made us, in his image. And after man fell into sin, God did not acquiesce in that situation, but he sent his own Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to redeem us and to renew us. And then we will again share in God's glory, freed from sin and corruption, and we will get back our high position, which we had before the fall in sin. But we still remain creatures, and he remains our creator. We did not make God, but he made us. He made us in his image. God is the only one who can make an image of himself. And he made man, he made us in his image. Like he wanted to make man. We may not make any images of God. Because when we make an image of God, we will make Him in our own image. We make God as we like Him to be. And that is making an image of God. Making Him in the way we want Him to be. But it is the other way around. God made us in His image, how He wanted us to be. And that is how it must be. That is the... the, the relationship between God, the creator, and us, his creature. God, the Lord of the covenant, and us, his covenant people. The highly exalted God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth. He wants to communicate with us. In paradise, God walked with man. With Adam and Eve. In the, in, in the garden of, of Eden. Adam knew God. He talked with God. In the cool of the day, God came to to, to walk with Adam and Eve. And and Adam and Eve, they recognized his voice. And everything in creation, the flowers, the plants, the animals, the trees, and and also the, the, the sun, the moon, the stars, they all laud, they all praise the glory of God. And man governed this creation, created in God's image, And he saw this creation and the work of God, the Creator in His creation. And he praised God, the the Creator. And God enjoyed His communion with Adam and Eve. And they could meet God without fear while talking to God about His wonderful creation and about how great God is. The communion was perfect. But then the fall came. Man fell into sin, and and not only man, but also the whole creation was corrupted by sin. And what is worse, sin created also an enormous distance between God and us. An unbreachable gap for mankind. A man turned his back on God and, and fell into the endless depths of sin. He went on his own way. He fell from the enormous height where God had placed him into the endless depths of sin and misery and eternal death. But God did not acquiesce in that. God decided to rescue man and to restore the communication between him and man. But God could not act as if nothing has happened, as if he just forgot about the sins. He could not just go on talking with men in the garden. Adam and Eve, they hid from God because they were scared to meet God. God is and remains the Holy One. And His holiness will consume everything and everyone who is not holy. All before Him that is not holy will be consumed by the fire of His holiness. And we also now should not forget that. We also should still realize when we meet God here in this church service or everywhere else when we come before the Lord in our prayer, we have to realize that He is holy. And that God wants us to be holy too. And if we are not holy, then we can be here in church. We can sit here in this church building but we will not receive God's love and His blessing. On the contrary, if we are not holy, then we we may sit here in church, but we are under God's wrath. And if we don't repent, then we will be consumed by it and destroyed. We can sit here and be blind and not able to see the Lord because we are not holy. And we are not holy because we are too proud and do not know ourselves as wretched sinners. We do not turn to Christ in humility. We turn our backs to him and do not see him, do not see God. And if we continue in our pride, we have no part in the salvation of Jesus Christ but will be cut off from it. Let us always remember. That it is a miracle that we can approach God. It is a miracle that we can be here in church and listen to God and speak to Him. But before we can meet God and have communion with Him, we need to be sanctified. And that is why Christ came into this world. He came to redeem us from the power of sin, and He came to sanctify us by His Spirit. And through His sacrifice and His blood, we are washed from our sins. And through His Spirit, He renews us and sanctifies us so that we can come in the presence of God again. In the Old Testament, because God had already decided right at the fallen sin, even before that in His eternal decree, that Christ would come and that through His work of redemption, we would be sanctified because of that, man in the Old Testament could already be holy and could live with God, could meet God. But that was still limited, which was indicated by the veil in the tabernacle and the temple. And there's a reason for all the regulations in the Old Testament with regard to the worship service. In The tabernacle, later the temple. But they did indicate that there was a way to God. And it was not the statue of God that was there. Because God did not want a statue to come in between him and his people. But still the tabernacle and the temple did indicate to the people, to Israel, God is the holy God and we can come to him by being holy through the blood that makes it possible that his people, that the high priest could go behind the veil to the Ark of the Covenant. About the temple, God saw to it that his people did their best to build a suitable house for him. But we never read that there was an image of God in the temple or in the tabernacle. Well, that was something that was ridiculous for the people. The heathen people, they they laughed at it. A house without a God, a temple without a God. They made their images of their God's. They wanted to see their God, not behind the curtain, but they wanted to see Him, to have Him close by, so that it would be possible for them to speak to their God, to bow down before them, to be seen by their God. But they also thought that they could manipulate the power of their God by getting hold on it through that image. It's like a converter. Through which you can convert electricity of an enormous high voltage to a voltage that you can use for electrical appliances. In the same way, they tried to convert the power of their God so that they could handle it and use it for their own purposes. Israel should know that God was not a God like all those heathen gods and that they were not like the heathen people. God did not come to His people in that way. God made His covenant with His people. And within the covenant, He gave His promises and He told the people how to worship Him. And that's the same covenant God has with us today. And we'll always have with His people for a thousand generations, as we sang in Psalm 105. That's an enormous long time, thousand generations. Did you ever think about that? It's a time that is longer than the earth exists. It means forever, eternal. So the covenant of God with Abraham in the Old Testament is an eternal covenant, the same covenant God makes with us. And within that covenant, the Lord wants to have contact, communion with His people. He wants us to worship Him, to come before Him, living in communion with Him not in fear, but in love, love for Him. So God's own people, they don't need an image. For God's people, the most beautiful thing is, the most beautiful thing that that you can imagine is that God Himself comes to us. God Himself lives amidst His people. And he does not need an image at all to communicate with us, to bless us, or to be worshipped by us. And his people do not need an image at all to worship God, to bring our offerings. Because wherever we are and wherever we bring our offerings, God is there. We do not need an, an image or an altar to attract God's attention like the Baal's priests at Mount Carmel, where Elijah mocked them. Cry harder because maybe your God is relieving himself or he's sleeping. Well, that's not how our God is. Our God is always close by. He wants to be with us. He wants to be near to us. He loves us. and He wants us to be near to him and trust in him. Live within that relationship of the covenant. And that's why God forbids us to make images. Because those images will create distance. In the Roman Catholic Church, the saints, they create distance between God and us. We cannot go to Jesus Christ in prayer. We have to go to the saints. That's the opposite of what God wants us. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, His only Son, the Son of God, as a mediator between God and us so that we can go to God through Him directly and not through the saints. We don't have a temple anymore because God's Spirit is in us. Hebrews 12 speaks about that. that There is no separation through earthly things, but we have come to the real thing, the assembly of God's people, God's saints, and to Jesus Christ and to God himself. This is the real communication between God and us, his people, the holy God. No earthly creatures that are showing the signs of his majesty like the mountain, Mount Sinai, There was smoking and trembling and the sound of the trumpet. Those were all signs. Now we have come to the reality. God, the Holy God, He comes to us. He is here among His people. He even dwells in us. We ourselves, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That means that God is very close to us much closer than an image ever can be. He knows us much better than we can ever express in words and can ever tell to an image. So it's clear that an image is much worse than the real communion with God. And God is not satisfied with less than the real communion with us. And through Christ, we can have real communion with God again. He makes it possible through His own Son, whom He sent to this earth. And God now sees us. And God knows that He knows all that we need. And He knows what is in our hearts. And He will provide us with all that we need. He hears us even before we start asking Him. We don't have to wait in uncertainty whether God will fulfill our desires or not. We know that God does hear our prayers. And although he does not always give us what we want, he will give us all that we need. And we may be sure that he will do so because he is not a God who is far away. But he is very near. He is everywhere present. He is nearer to us than any human being or any other creature ever can be. And He gives us all that we need for body and soul. And He continues. And He comforts us in, in, in times of illness or, or concern. He gives us faith. He strengthens our faith through His Holy Spirit. He continues to provide for us every day again. God created man perfectly. So that, man, so that God could have communion with man. And for that reason, after falling in sin he gave his own son, Jesus Christ, so that it would be possible again to have communion with him. That we as his people could go to him again. And in the covenant God gives us his promises, he also tells us to honor him, to revere him, to praise him, and to live a life of thankfulness in obedience to his will, out of thankfulness to him, to show how much we love him. He Himself gives it to us. He renews us through His Holy Spirit so that we can do what He gives us to do. And now He tells us in His Word what He expects us to do. To do what He made us for. That is what He created us for, to live according to the Ten Commandments. To live with Him in communion with Him. And these ten commandments are not just ten random commandments which he thought of just to test us. Just like an exam you can get ten random questions out of hundreds of others to, to test you. No, God has given us these ten commandments because these ten commandments describe completely how the life is that God created and how God wants to live now also that we have been renewed. That we can do what God made us for. That we can do what God renewed us for through His Holy Spirit. And then we live a life in thankfulness by showing to God that we love this life that He gave to us. God makes us holy so that we can live with Him. God makes us holy so that we can live with Him in the eternal blessedness to praise and glorify Him. As we confess in Lord Lord's 3 about the image of God. And that that bring us to our second point. God has called us to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation. A royal priesthood to him, a holy nation to him. So when we listen to the preaching during the service, when the Word of God is being explained and proclaimed, then God is speaking to us, brothers and sisters. When the Word of God is being preached here from the pulpit through the mouth of the minister. It is God who is speaking to us because it is his word. He he reveals himself to us through his own word. He does not do that in the way of images. He does not put an image here in church and says, well, look at this image. And just like this image of David, of Jesus, well, you can learn from that. Like in the Roman Catholic Church, all those stations of the cross and all those images which can teach us, no, that is not how God does it. He comes to us through the living preaching of His word. And if you don't listen to that word, then we will turn away from Him and we don't have communication with Him. If you don't listen to God's words when we sit here in church, then we can just as well go home because then we have no communion with God. We are here to listen to God. And if we don't listen to God, then it may seem for us as if God does not exist anymore. As if God isn't speaking to us. As if I don't get anything out of it. But I'm not listening. Or it may be as if he doesn't hear our prayers anymore. And if this world is abandoned by God, and we don't understand why God can allow this to happen, and all those things come up if we don't listen to God anymore, will people who don't listen to God anymore will not experience God anymore. But brothers and sisters, experience of God is not something that comes from a special feeling or special gifts or an internal illumination or a, a working of the Spirit in us without the Word. No. God works through His Word. The Spirit of God works through the preaching of His Word. He gives us faith through the preaching of the Word of God. Paul says in Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word of Christ. And, we want to fo- and when we want to find God, we should not look for Him anywhere else than in the Bible. And oh, yes, God is at work in His creation. And when you come outside and you see the beautiful weather and beautiful nature, you can praise God because this is God's work. And there you can find God. But you cannot find God there if you do not first find him in the Bible. And the Bible opens your eyes for all God's work in his creation. It is through the Bible, it is through the Holy Spirit that we know God as the creator. The creator of heaven and earth. And it is also through the Bible and the Holy Spirit that we know God as our God and our Father and our Savior, who still upholds heaven and earth and who in His providence also cares for us. It is through God's calling in His Word that we have become even His people. He is our God. We are His people. He comes to us with His promise that He will be our God forever we are called to be His people. Called for a purpose. Elected for a purpose. Whenever we speak about election, election is to a purpose. If we are elected, we are elected for a purpose. The purpose is to live the eternal life with God in eternal blessedness. God called us so that we on this earth would be a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood that would serve God. A holy nation that would stand in his world as a testimony to the great deeds of the Lord. The Lord, the God, who is not like the heathen gods, but who is the only God. Who is totally different from all the heathen gods, which are no gods and cannot exist. The God who comes to us in the living preaching of his word who shows to us his love, and whose desire it is that we live in love for him and love with him. Not in fear, as many do who don't know God. Not in fear, as many do who don't listen to God's word, but think that they can approach God through the same others. They all live in fear. But it is God's will to come to us in love. It is God's desire every day again to give us His grace. It is not God's will that we flee away from Him, from His holiness, but that we come to Him in trust, in love. And that we know Him as our God and our Father. And that we say to Him, Father. Those who don't want to listen to the Word of God and who try to find God somewhere else, they will not find Him. This is the only way to God. And they may be desperately seeking for the meaning of life. Why, God, does this happen? Why, God, do you allow this to happen? Does this this life make sense? Then it is as if this world is full of emptiness. And there are so many people living in this world depressed, in anxiety, because they don't have that trust in God. They don't know God. Those who don't come to God... Those who don't want to listen to the word of God, those who try to find God somewhere else, they will not find him. Meaningless. Meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. These are the words of Ecclesiastes. And that is the life of those who do not know God. And also those who have known God, who have grown up in the church, but have turned away from him, and who did not want to listen to the preaching and left the church, went on their own ways. Or even the hypocrites who are still among us and are not listening, but using the church for their own purposes. Huge parts of modern Christianity are influenced by this post-modernism, where our own feelings and our own experiences rule supreme. These feelings decide how we will serve God and worship Him. These feelings even decide how God is. This is the God whom we want to worship, and not the God of the Bible, is what many of them say. But when the Word of God is not proclaimed anymore and is replaced by all kinds of social talk and other things that should make a worship service attractive, then the people lose their God. And without God, a worship service loses its purpose that is senseless and meaningless. And even more, because they reject God, God will reject them in His wrath. Brothers and sisters, God comes to us with His Word. He comes to us in His Son, Jesus Christ. But the sin against the second commandment is that we don't want to see the Lord. We don't want to see our God anymore, and we don't want to meet Him. Except on our own conditions. We place an obstacle between Him and us so that we don't have to face Him and hear His words. And then we also don't understand the meaning of the work of Christ anymore. And then we will end, uh, we will end up saying that Christ, well, yeah, He was a good man, He was a good example, and we should follow His example, and we should do, should do good to our fellow human beings, to our neighbor. And in fact, we do the same as Israel did. Israel made a golden calf. And we now often don't understand how Israel could do that. And we are so judgmental. We say, well, just before God led them out of Egypt, and now they did this. We don't understand it. But it is not very different from the way we often react many times and many other people do nowadays. Israel did exactly what many other people in those days did. They made an image just to be able to see something of their God and to have Him in their midst so that they had something in which they could trust. They created their own God or they created an image of of God and, and, and they put in that image the things they wanted of God so that they could trust. But they felt abandoned there in the desert, without Moses, without God. Moses on the mountain for 40 days, and they didn't hear from him. What happens if someone attacks us? So many dangers around them. And they were wondering where they would find their strength. And they thought that they could catch a bit of the power of the great God who brought them out of Egypt by making the golden calf. And how many times do we who believe in God and hear his word on Sunday here in church and who see the signs of the covenant when God gives us the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper? How many times don't we seek certainties in our own life? We have thoughts about God which please, which comfort us, but are not from the Or we seek our trust, we put our trust in insurances, in in money, in knowledge, or in other things, and don't live in full dependence on God, our Father in heaven. It happens so many times in our lives that we try to solve our own problems without first going to God and asking Him for His will. Or we are making our plans without first asking God, is this what you want us to do? Is this how you want us to live? But when we have made our plans, then we ask God, Lord, please bless our plans. It's also sin against the second commandment. Using God for our own plans. It's hard sometimes, it's hard often to trust. Trust in God alone. So many times, we say we trust in God, but in the meantime, we have some other things to put our trust in. Remember these words in your life, which Jesus Christ taught us. Seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. Seek first God's kingdom, nothing else. And if you first seek God's kingdom, then all these other things which we need will be given to us as well. But first seek God's kingdom and His righteousness. Remember that every day of your life. And try to realize what they mean to you in your daily life. That is, in short, the meaning of the second commandment. Listen to God's word. And let His word govern your entire life. God wants us to live with him in communion with him, a living relationship with him every day again. That is the covenant between God and us, his people. Live with him. Let his word direct your life. And that's the way he reveals himself to us, his word. And there he wants us to find him. Like Isaiah says in 55 verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Amen.